You guys are good. Thank you, man. Yeah. Thank you, Jeremy. Yeah. What? You 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 here? Oh, it's fine, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, I'm just trying to get comfortable. In in physically, physically. or or mentally? No, mentally I'm fine. You are? Just yeah. How do you achieve that? Uh sex drugs. <laughs> you know. Rock and roll? You heard it here, Hidden Nation. <laughs> Welcome to the program. It's Josh Carey sitting here with David Pressman. You know of David Pressman events. Good to see you. Hi. You we, feel? We started? We we started. <laughs> you didn't, no no buildup. No. Oh, oh, was that not the buildup? I felt a buildup. Did you feel a buildup? It's built up. Okay. It's all built up. Great. Yeah. Thanks for coming in. I'm glad we've had uh, conversations. Um... There's a lot to uh, to dig into. You've been in the event space for for how long? Well, I've been in I've been doing events for 30 years in other forms, not as a full-time event planner. But events crop up in the art world, in the mm. film world, in the fashion world, nonprofit world, all worlds that I'm I'm part of, that I've been part of. And so doing this does uh, does your history give you a distinct advantage? I think so. I think it, it gives me a lot more tools and understanding of the different things that go into events, the different ways to approach events, the different levels of events. Uh, fundraising events versus uh, an art gallery opening, a vernissage. And they're two different things. A birthday party for five-year-old twins then that's different. I don't have bouncy houses on uh, in an art gallery usually. <laughs> so, what do you bring to the table, uh, or have to quote unquote have to bring to the table these days that you've seen evolve and change in the industry? Has it evolved significantly, or not much? That's a great question. The industry evolves like everything else. But I think the people, the colleagues, my colleagues, people I know, our fundamental tools just get better. We learn more things, but at the base, we're, we still have something internal that, you know, makes us do this. I mean, not everybody wants to be a wedding planner. I mean, come on, it's, it's like incredibly stressful. Is it? Yeah. I mean, people have meltdowns all the time. I don't mean I don't mean planners. I mean the clients. <laughs> it's like a normal part of business. And you go into this knowing that, so you have to go into this knowing that we are part part psychologists, wow. sociologists, and we manage expectations at crazy levels, and 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 we don't take things personally. It it. We can't take something personally. That's that's not easy, though. There's a book called The Four Agreements. If you haven't read that book, go look into it. The Four Agreements, and it just outlines four agreements you should make with yourself for a, a, a happier life. And one of them is don't take anything personally. I love that. It's so difficult, though. It's a, it's a tall order, but you've, you've accomplished that. Well, that and learning how to say no. 
But uh, I mean, if if we could all be so lucky, right? It's it's a huge lesson, and it doesn't come easy. Saying no at what point? I know probably every point, but where do you have to say no more often? Well, it's a really fine line. For a long time, especially when I was younger, I, for some reason, I just said no all the time. But that was more out of ego and out of ignorance, fear, not knowing mm. what I was being asked to do or, or that I could do it. That's different than saying no as a professional, as someone who thinks about themselves and what they do. What I'm saying is I say no when I'm not, when I realize a situation that I'm not the right person, that maybe my expertise is not right. I recognize that. Uh, I, when I'm not being valued mm. for what I bring to the party, then I have to say no. If I get a feeling that someone's going to be, in, excuse me, an asshole, mm -hmm. if they're an asshole at the start, mm -hmm. uh, okay, what, what would make me think that they're not going to continue that behavior? So the check that they're writing holds nothing. Nothing. And it, that, but that's difficult, no? For yeah. some? For oh, some? Yeah, yeah. No? Oh, it's very difficult. It's very difficult. Yeah. And that's, you know, we can all get seduced by that part of it. I, I say, I've said no more in the, well, so the pandemic, I said yes to anything. And that was basically helping people for free mm. get out of contracts or, or not get out of them, but postpone mm. and whatever I could do to help people. My clients, other people's clients, friends, you know, what else was I going to do? I was taking walks every day reading. I, I wanted to do something. Uh, but now what I'm talking about is really recognizing me, my worth, what I know about myself, and I'm comfortable saying no. And I think that's, that's, that's different than just saying no. Understanding why I would say no. I love to say yes. Mm. Don't get me wrong. I love what I do, and I love helping people, and I love working. But when it's not right, it's, I have to say no. Mm -hmm. And I have to help the person understand why I'm saying no. And then I'll help them find someone who'll say yes or tell them how to do it. What what happened when you probably instinctually knew you should have said no? I think we all know when we are not saying no or yeah. not speaking up. Yeah. What happened? The wheels come off. <laughs> you know, the wheels come <laughs> off because it's a train wreck. But fortunately, I, I haven't had train wrecks. You just kind of power through it. In the event world, we're all professionals. Well, I, I, you know, everybody theoretically, I know, theoretically, we're yeah. all professionals. Um, we've all, we all have, I think you and I spoke about this before, uh, 10,000 hours of experience you know, brought, brought to what we do from whatever we did before. In my case, it was fashion, art, motion picture advertising and look and being a lo location manager and being involved in the nonprofit world. All things that have skills that I learned. 
that I bring to what I do now. And as I, I, and I've just gotten more mature. Although some people will say I haven't really. My brother, you know, a few other people <laughs> will just say. That still happens in life. It doesn't, it doesn't ever end. It doesn't ever end. That's crazy. Yeah. So you have a whole, a whole history prior to events that you're saying has really helped position you for the success. I think um, if there's a proposition or a, a special thing about David Pressman events, it's that it's me. There is nobody else. I answer the phone. Mm. <clears throat> I meet the clients. I'm their point of contact. I, I'm with them the whole way. And because of that, I, I think I told you this on the phone, I do a limited number of events in the course of a year. On now, purpose. On purpose, yeah. I don't, I don't want to have a big infrastructure. I mean, I, I worked for companies when I was younger. It's great, but I don't, I don't need that anymore. Well, let's talk about accolades because you've got some. I've, I've seen uh, top 10 this from a uh, magazine that... Uh, how does that go? It will happen. Sometimes it's a surprise because they're looking to fill space. <laughs> <laughs> but you'll take the space? Well, yeah. What am I going to say? No. And you've, you, you've been uh, accoladed. Yeah. But I don't, you know, it's not about, I'm grateful. Yeah. I'm grateful. Um, I've really had fun. I mean, everything that I've done has been fun. I don't know many other people who, 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 who've got to work in New York City at the height of, you know, with Calvin Klein, Perry Ellis, mm. <clears throat> meet, meet these huge people in the fashion industry, uh, and then in the art world, and then in the movie business. And being a location manager, you work with the directors, you work with the production designers, all people... All, all skills that are transferable to this world, the event industry. I'm not, yeah, so in some, in some respect, the event planner is the producer of the event, and we rely on a wonderful team of experts, and we talked about this. Mm -hmm. I know what I don't know, and that's one of my big propositions also. I'm not going to, look, I have problems telling one flower from another flower. <laughs> I, I, all the time. You heard it here first. Yeah. You know, <laughs> my friends will say, oh, this is a this, this is a that. I'm like, uh, I got to quick Google it. Yeah. I, I don't know what it is. But I don't have to. You don't. I, I work with the best. I, and for my clients, I curate that, that team. It's not my job to waste their time. It's my job to listen to them and then do my best to bring them one or two vendors that I think, that I believe, understand, will understand their vision and over-deliver and will become part of this team that we put together to do an event. It's the same thing, like, I just, just went through my head, uh, bands that go on tour. Mm-hmm. From the roadies, stage managers, these are all experts at what they do. Everybody plays a part. Love that. So, and and anything that goes wrong, 
It's my fault. Squarely. Yeah. As, as, as yeah. trivial as what? Well, look, the client hired me. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the day of an event, they don't like the way a light looks or they see a flower. I don't know. It's, 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 sometimes mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. little stuff. Mm-hmm. I can't control everything i but, can't but you have to control but i manage right the clients yeah yeah yeah. you know and look shit happens mm-hmm. and then we die i love that and i'm not <laughs> i'm not discovering you know something that nobody else has done <laughs> i'm doing something that is bringing joy to people my clients, their family, their friends, and hopefully memories for mm. them for years. They're going to forget about me. What I hope is that they don't remember that, oh, this is the guy that messed something up or something little happened or the, the photo booth stopped working for 10 minutes. Yeah. It's my fault. As we were talking about evolution of the industry, uh, I remember reading one of your recent posts about cannabis yeah. becoming more of a thing tell me what's what you're noticing how is that well it's very much more of a thing um there are here in los angeles there are weed bars um i've i've for, i've done a cannabis themed wedding what does that mean well in this case my clients actually owned uh, oh a cannabis company, okay. multi-level, mm-hmm. totally legal, mm-hmm. um, and had been one of the early, early adapters. And the challenge here was this was going to be a family wedding. We were going to have lots of kids running around. So I, from the get out, and them, they too, because they had children. They'd been together for years. Right. We wanted everything to be as safe as possible. So that meant that there was going to be nothing that a kid could pick up. Right. There was nothing infused with cannabis. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm sorry. We had a we had cannabis infused drinks, but <laughs> but there was a there was a professional setup for that. Right. And it was beautiful, but it wasn't for children. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, there were no children were going to get that. Of course. Nothing got put down. Right. And and left unattended. Right. We would. I wouldn't allow any food, you know, to be infused. This is just. That's just doesn't make sense. And later in the evening, well, also I just want to point out, in the bouquet for this bride, there were buds. There was wow. beautiful flower that was grown specifically wow. for this bouquet, and there was a toss bouquet that was filled with buds. Wow. But. This was not for kids. There were no kids around. And then later at the after party, we had a bag of, of vape pens, you know, <laughs> and everybody got them because it oh, was wow. it was after midnight. Wow. And it was legal and it was not anywhere where it wasn't supposed to be. We don't break rules. We don't break rules. I, I but, love that. Unless and until. Well. You were, we were talking I, I about, I love this yeah. concept that we all take for granted the, the idea of 
uh, tradition yeah. of a wedding. It's got to look like this. It's got to be that. This has to happen. This is the way it is. Yeah. However. This is the way. It, I feel like the Mandalorian. Uh, <laughs> there are no rules anymore. I mean, I, I weddings are kind of a made-up industry. I, th I said this to you before. Yeah. Break this down for me. Well, it's a union of two people. Mm -hmm. That's at the crux of it. And that's what I remind all my clients. It's the two of you. Everything else that goes on is a party. It's whatever you want. Um, had we been in, if we were in, say, the UK in, in the 50s, it would be a luncheon. It would be a daytime ceremony, a wonderful, beautiful outdoor garden ceremony, and then a lunch, a brunch. Not a brunch, yeah. a, a lunch. Okay. Um, the whole thing of... We have to do this, this, and this. We don't have to do anything. That two people are, are in love and want to spend their life together and want that, want that to be legalized, that's it. Give me an example of a, of a more, not, uh, as if cannabis isn't it, but something else where it was a little non-traditional that, that worked quite well. You got me. Fair. I, I mean, I mean, non-traditional in that that I have many clients who we we will go to a courthouse with the couple, a photographer, and a parent or two if they're if they're in the same city or the best friends, and they'll have a civil ceremony. So that's done, and then it might be a destination wedding where we mm. go to England or Mexico and it's on the beach. And that's, that's for everybody else. And it's for them too, but it's a big thing. But they're already married, so the stress is, is kind of gone. There's nothing wrong with that. I mean, people run off to, still run off to Vegas and get married by Elvis. Mm -hmm. Do you find when people are researching who to partner with in this very important role, right? Somebody like you plays a obviously a very important role. Is it more of what they can see you've done or is it the chemistry and vibe between you as a person? Well, that's a great question. Um, for me and for a lot of my colleagues, it has to be a chemistry. I mean... Right now, in the last five, ten years, the rise of social media, wedding websites that have links to, you know, wedding planners with packages, you know, packages um, f for this amount, you get this, mm -hmm. blah, blah, blah. That's fine. Those, those, but that's not the kind of wedding planner I am. The, My clients have to meet me. We have to talk. We have, I, mm. They have to know that I'm who I am, that I'm a bit irreverent, that uh, I'm transparent. And really, we have to have fun. They have to be comfortable. If they have, I'm there to help them. To, the whole, 
again, we all are. As wedding planners, it's our job to guide our clients from point A all the way to the end. And for me, that's when all the security deposits are returned and everything's mm. cleaned up, and it may be a week after the wedding. Um, I don't do multiple weddings at the same time. You asked me about a, a, a selling proposition earlier on the phone. It's me. I, it's, it's just me. If, if somebody hires me, they're talking to me. I, don't, I can't do it any other way. I'm in it. Mm. I, I, we will have hundreds of conversations. I've planned weddings sometimes, you know, 16 months of planning. Sometimes it's two weeks. During the pandemic, uh, was I, I know you, you found a way to keep busy. Was it a scary time? Uh, yeah, it was a scary time. I mean, I. It was crazy. I mean, you know, we were the. Our industry was the first industry shut down and the last industry to open. Did people just literally not get married? Right, they couldn't. They couldn't get married legally. Right. Um, it With was, the gathering it was, of the people. right too many gatherings, and there were things that happened uh, around the country and. People, you know, that was a mess sometimes. At some point, I know I did a wedding for 13 people in a backyard. Everybody was tested two days before on site. And then we had masks and everything mm. on site. Food was individually packaged. It was a small family backyard wedding. It was beautiful. When you were growing up, you obviously you've you've listed, you've had some a handful of careers, literally, right? Uh, where did you think you were going to go and wind up when you were seeing your future? When I was a little kid playing in a sandbox, mm -hmm. I thought I was going to be an architect. That's what I wanted to be. I don't know how things happened, but my first career was in fashion. In New York City. Um, I remember going to visit a friend who at the time was working for Ralph Lauren. And I was staying, sleeping on his couch. And I was looking at the one ads in Women's Wear, Women's Wear Daily. And there was an ad that said, "American top American designer seeks self-starter with couture savvy, must be available immediately and willing to travel. And I remember that. And that was a long time ago. Hmm. And I applied for the job. You were all those things. You were couture savvy. Well, I I studied French yeah. in college, so that's <laughs> about as much couture savvy as I was then. But you you were like I I, I could do this. Yeah, I was willing to travel. I was yeah. available immediately. <laughs> the job paid twenty three thousand dollars a year, uh, and I commuted from Allentown, Pennsylvania, to New York City by bus every day for the first uh, year or so. Uh, the designer's name was Mary McFadden, who was part of uh, a big social and high fashion group, Bill Blast, Carolina Herrera, Oscar de Laurenta, Adolfo, uh, Jeffrey Bean, the pantheon of American designers at that time. 
And I remember my interview with her. She asked me two questions. What did, what did my father do? And what did I major in college? <laughs> I, th- I told her my dad was an eye doctor. She, you know, she didn't pay much attention to that. And I said, I, I majored in sociology. And she said, oh, me too. Then she told me to go to Barney's, New York, and buy a suit and come back. Buy a suit, a shirt, tie, and come back and show it to her. And I brought back two suits. She wanted to see what my, what my taste was. And mm. I, I, had, I had curly hair. I don't think I had a beard at that point. Uh, but I was kind of preppy. I brought a, a beautiful Ralph Lauren suit. And I think the other one was a Xenia suit. And they were both dark. And she said to me, you, the way you look, should never interfere with what you're doing. The client, the buy, in this case, the buyer, who is going to spend hundreds of thousands of dollars if it was a store, if it was Bergdorf Goodman, uh, or if, it was a, if I was doing a trunk show dealing with someone face-to-face, they weren't supposed to see me as anything other than the person showing them the gown, whatever. White shirts, dark ties... French cuff, elegant, that's it. And I like that. That kind of that kind of clicked. It made sense. And I was 23 years old. What the hell did I know about this? I didn't know anything about it. But there was something about selling clothing, women's clothing. And at that point, Dresses that were $3,000, $4,000. Now, this was before, this was crazy. This was just crazy. It was great. Traveled all over the country, doing these trunk shows. And then from that, I, then I went on to work for Calvin Klein, worked for Perry Ellis, you know, a couple other people. And then that was it. It was years in that in that mm. industry but it taught me so much and that really i guess the other thing is and I, I told you this i was never i never in my mind i never after i realized i wasn't going to be an architect i didn't decide i wanted to be this or that i was like okay say yes so i know we started by telling telling five minutes ago importance of saying no <laughs> but it's really important to say yes to things too uh-huh. if you don't say yes when you're young what what have you got to lose say yes try it i don't mean try it for a month i mean work for a year or two invest some time learn what learn what it is so that's what i did i said yes and I was in fashion, and then that went, uh, when that ended, uh, I had been a client at an art gallery in Soho on West Broadway in New York City. Mm-hmm. And the owners of that gallery asked me to come and work for them, to take over the, one of their galleries. And I was like, I don't know how to do that. They said, don't worry. 
took me nine months hmm. before I said yes. And it was great. How do we know when to say no, when to say yes? What is your process, whether these days or what you've learned? Well, when I was a kid, I said no out of fear to that mm. job because I didn't know. <clears throat> I didn't think I knew how to do it. Well, I didn't. I had to learn. Mm -hmm. But I didn't know that I could learn. Mm. Now, so let me just go back a second. I think it's really important to say yes to find the thing that creates passion. Lead with passion, find passion. Um, but it's different now, 25 years later, 30 years later. You have some advantage. Right, I have some advantage. I've done some things. So mm -hmm. I, and specifically in the event world, I know when to say no. I know when I'm not the right person. I know when a friend of mine, another planner, is the right person. And I will say to this, the client, corporate or social, I will say, do you mind? I, I have somebody who's going to do this job better for you. Would you let me make an introduction? You find that that's rare for, no. for people to say that? Oh, it's rare yeah. for other yeah, yeah. people to say it. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. You got to sort of get to a, a, a place of... I think you have to be willing to let things go. Can't do everything. I don't need to do everything. I need to work. I love to work. Don't get me wrong. Mm -hmm. I'm not doing it because I'm lazy. Although, let's be honest, I am a little bit lazy. Um, There's a little tongue in cheek in that comment, but yeah. where's the truth? Well, the truth is I love to hang out. I mean, I love to read. I love to, <laughs> you know, spend time with friends. Relax. Yeah. Turn off. But when I'm working, I'm working. You know, event planning is seven days a week, 24 hours a day. My clients call. I'm there. You know, I'm responding. That's what they're paying for. So back to the saying no part, I know when it's, you know, if, I know when I'm not the right fit. And I know when I'm not the right, I don't have the right tools. Um, if somebody came to me and asked me to do a, uh, a convention, that's not, I, I don't, I've never done it. I don't want to do it. But I have friends who do it and they do it brilliantly. And I have no problem saying, okay, let me make an introduction for you. The power of saying yes, the power of saying no. I don't often interview event planners, but when I do, it's David Pressman. <laughs> Sir, thank you for coming in. That's it? Down. That is it. Oh my God, I can't believe it. Yeah, we arrived. Well, Josh, it's been a pleasure. We're there. Thank you. Right, thank you, sir. You too. Okay. Ooh. Really? Yeah. What? Half hour? I did Longer than expected. It went quick? It went quick. It did, right? Yeah. I've heard it. I know. I know. That's good. What? Yeah, I hope it. Hopes are found.
I've done a couple podcasts. And-